listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats. Today, we've got a really good one for you. We've got Fred Schott on the podcast to talk about Pika Package, which I have been following for, I don't know how many months now. And I'm really interested to figure out what it is and how it fits into your workflow and what it replaces and and all that stuff. So um, we'll have him on in just a second. Uh, We've got two awesome sponsors today. Sanity, which is a structured content CMS. They've got some new pretty cool. They've been rolling out some features like crazy lately. So we've Mm -hmm. talked about their preview feature Um, and FreshBooks, which is cloud accounting software. With me, as always, is Mr. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, doing good. Um, I don't have really a whole lot to say, but uh, this is a third podcast we recorded today. So he's out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. The pleasantries, although we can only talk about the weather so much. Yeah. I like talking about the weather. Yeah. Some people allowed. don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Fred, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks all for having me. So you've built this thing called Pika Package. And it's it, as far as I can tell, it's a, a whole bunch of, of stuff. And really why I've been paying attention is you have like a bit of a, a background, both working in Nodeland as well as you've worked at some large companies. So do you want to give us like sort of a rundown of who you are and, and whatnot? And then we'll dive into what is Pika Package? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, if you want to ask me about the weather here too, I'm free yeah. to talk about that as well. <laughs> so where are you from? I'm in San Francisco right now. It is oh, sunny okay. for the first time in a while. Oh, nice. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, I've been working on Pika for about a year now. This might even be like right around the time where I launched the first website um, one year ago. It comes out of work I did um, kind of starting at Google. So trying to take a look at the space um, where we have this new sort of module system for JavaScript coming in, ESM, right? ES modules, which was kind of ratified in 2015, but took a while to get into all the browsers. Um, And now four years later, we are essentially here where it's supported by a lot of modern browsers. So it's this kind of new chance to take a step back and take a look at all these different preconceived notions, um, best practices that have built up for maybe a different world that doesn't make sense anymore. So it's really just a, it started at least as a project to experiment with different things in that area. And it's started to coalesce around a few different ideas that have taken off um, as experiments on their own right. Okay, because we just like 20 minutes ago, we just finished right uh, doing an episode about modules in Node. Okay. And it's hard. Yeah. It's like not totally there yet. It's obviously still in development, but like there's like no named imports from CommonJS. And uh, we have this whole like history of like NPM is full of all these packages and uh it would be nice if Node and NPM and everything just started today and it was all ESM. Yeah, <laughs> not with a million other packages. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. As background. Yeah. So like what like what is Pika Package then? Like yeah. if someone were to ask you, what is it? Um, I know there's a couple of different pieces to it, but want to give that a shot? Yeah, definitely. I, it definitely is a few different things right now, but I'd say what it is conceptually is it's asking this question of, how would you do web development if you didn't need a bundler? I'd say that's the biggest kind of thing that we've kind of latched onto as a question to ask now that we have modules that run on the web. So the question is, why do we use a bundler today? Yep. You might think we use it for production, um, which is nice. There are definitely some production reasons to use it. 
you might think because it's a really nice development flow. Um, there are all these things that have been built up in that world. But the big reason we all needed like that, that need to use a bundler, the reason no one really does much web development today without one, um, with, and that would be Webpack or Parcel, um, Create React App. That's like that bundler level tool. Yep. The reason we all use that really is because of NPM. Um, as you said, all these old packages on NPM, millions, of, like a million packages are all written for common JS, which is that node uh, syntax that was really yep. um, championed by them. Node championed that. NPM was built for Node originally. So that was kind of the lingua fresca, the standard module system. But the one downside was that it didn't run on the web natively. So it, lo- it let us all come into this one single JavaScript ecosystem. Node, web, it brought us all together, which was awesome. But the downside was that web developers had to pull a tool that had previously really only been for production. Bundling, you know, you basically used to, back in the day, concatenate all your JavaScript files into one um, for production reasons. But yeah. in development, you'd still, yeah. And I'm, that's the one thing where it's like, I'm not saying we go back to like concatenating files together ourselves by hand <laughs> or anything like that. Um, the tooling that's come out of the last decade is awesome. But the downside has been that it's put a lot more strain on the development process. So bundling is now a development concern. And when you make changes locally, you have to rerun your, your bundler. You know, that waiting for a compile step that we see on Create React App and other tools. You know, on some projects I've worked on over the last few years, that's been a few seconds. It's been up to 10 seconds on one. That's every change. You're just kind of stuck there waiting. As a developer, that's that's kind of a pain. That's something that I don't like. So there's a lot that you can start to relook at there. Yeah. Just being able to reload. Like, so when I, I just re- launched a big beginner JavaScript course, and when I got to the the module section, I was like, look, you can do almost all of this just with a like script type module and then start yeah. importing and exporting down the chain as, as far as you can go. And then we got to the part where we wanted to use some NPM package and it got a lot messier. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and at that point, I say, this is where you need a tool, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And uh, I showed him some options and things like that. We ended up using parcel in there. But so you're saying like this Pika is going to solve that. I'll be able to use just regular what script type equals module, and then I can use Pika as a registry on that. Kind of. So before we get to the registry part, this is the before we ever got to that. It was really just taking a look at exactly what you said, mm-hmm. which is that it all works great. This whole new tech, uh, this new language, it, it's it's fantastic. And then you have to talk to npm because no one's really <laughs> doing web development without it today. What we started with was this project called Pika Web, which we're renaming to Snowpack just to give it its own uh, Ooh, name Snowpack. and identity. Snowpack. That's a nice name. Yeah, that is a good name. You have to you have to whisper it. <laughs> Snowpack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what Snowpack it lets you do is it's a. Sim- so you're really good at naming things. I'm just going to say that out of the gate. <laughs> I'm just going to throw <laughs> Thank that. You. In. Thank you. This is that. That's a year in the making. Um. So that was you know. That was a group effort nice. and some other people jumped into that issue. Um, but yeah, what it essentially does is it, it looks at that as the problem. So instead of saying you need to bundle your whole app, it really says, okay, actually you can get really far. It's just NPM you need to worry mm-hmm. about. So why not build a bundler just for NPM? So what Snowpack does is it at mm-hmm. install time versus at development time. And this is where the naming is, you know, you can call it what you want. You can say that it bundles your dependencies. You can say it's a post-install script. Um, but it essentially takes your dependencies and turns them into these single-file ESM JavaScript modules. So React, Preact, um, any dependency you want, you can essentially just pull into a single JavaScript file that can then be imported by your project, by your app. 
Oh, okay. So you run it once. You run it when you mess with your installs. Maybe you add a new package. Maybe you just run npm install for the first mm. time. And then now you're able to do development locally. You're not running a tool every time you make a change. You're not recompiling bundles every time you make a change. You're building your app locally without a ton of tooling. And then now all you need to do is run that bundler once with install. Oh, that's really uh, it's a really great, uh, I don't know, just exciting use case for this. The, the fact that it's not just going to replace something that you're using, but it's going to take something that every single developer who's used a modern bundling solution knows this pain point of sitting and waiting when inevitably, like you said, you, you shouldn't really have to unless you're installing something new, right? So I, yeah. I, I think that right there clears up a lot of the why for me. This is, uh, that's a nice little, uh, nice little value add. Does this mean like, so I'm just looking at the docs here and you import a module and instead of importing it from an example, you have Preact. Instead of importing from Preact, you import it from like a local directory, web modules. It makes a new folder called web modules and then it puts the entire package into a single JavaScript file in that folder for you. Yeah, so it does what a bundler does right now for your whole app, just on a per yeah. dependency. So any transitive files that it would be loading, even if those are common JS, it yeah. pulls those all into one JavaScript file that is ESM. Oh. So you get one preact.js file, even if preact had dependencies, which I don't think it does, but it has local files. It has, you know, it's not a single file package, um, but it essentially installs it as one, even if it has dependencies itself. And what if something like shares peer dependencies? Yeah, it's, like, like three modules has a peer dependency. Does, does there something for that yet? So I lean on rollup a lot. Mm. It's essentially okay. a special rollup config. Cool. Um, oh, okay. So you didn't build your own. So whatever rollup can do, it can handle its peer dependencies. It can handle, um, you know, it, it does all that pretty smartly because it's the same problem we've been having to handle for apps, right? Code yeah. splitting and, and chunking and all that. Um, just move down a level. <laughs> And does that mean I'm not going to have a 40 gig node modules folder then? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, st- you still will. We still build <laughs> off of that node module. So we essentially create a web modules. Oh, okay, alongside I see. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really is post install. So it, it installs it and then pulls it out of there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So you should have gotten the two terabyte MacBook Pro is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It would be interesting to maybe pull from Unpackage or from our CDN, but essentially right now it just, it's on top of node modules. It's on top of your NPM install. And that that just allows you to use just regular HTML imports. That's not called HTML imports. That's not what it is. It's No, just just ESM ESM. imports or JavaScript imports. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing where now you kind of get into, okay, so now what's possible that you have this? You can technically run basically build a whole modern web app using modern npm dependencies mm-hmm. um, without any other build tools so you're literally a static asset server and you make a change and then you refresh your browser and without any build tooling it's it's all just there the change is there but people like to use babel people like to use typescript so there's this other side of it where you can still use build tools um, we're not saying okay death to all build tools death to all tooling at all all we're saying is that you don't need this whole bundler. You can just use the tools you're wanting to use. And TypeScript and Babel, they're still really fast at per file compilation. So you can still set up basically Babel on your source directory. You make a change. And now Babel just has to recompile that one file. Mm. So you get TypeScript watch. You get Babel watch. You get these things that are actually very good at single file changes. Oh, okay. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So no more 10 second wait times for a bundler, you know, five second wait times. You essentially, it's as fast as Babel or TypeScript can recompile a single file, which is, you know, 
milliseconds or maybe hundreds of milliseconds at the worst, but certainly not seconds. Mm-hmm. And I remember that with back in the day, we had like a SaaS app that would take like 32 seconds to recompile. <laughs> oh, yep. that was yeah. awful. Right. Even like, I'm just thinking about how awful that used to be. I got a new MacBook and just my Note app restarts so much quicker on my new laptop. I was like, oh, nice. that's such a, a improvement. Yeah, it's all these languages that we use, like SAS and 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 using a bundler. It's like we're writing a language that runs on the browser. Like if yeah. we were compiling and getting all these compiler benefits, that would be one thing. But we're essentially doing all this build time to still just ship the exact same language we're writing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. So hopefully this is at least a start in that direction. Um, it's been around for about a year. It's got some good, you know, we're hitting V1 soon. It's got some cool um, production things you can still do with it. It's it's a really exciting direction. I'm really excited that you, you've you clearly thought about aspects of like the barriers to entry of this, like specifically people not wanting to ditch their already established build process. I think to me that was like one of the biggest unclear points of this whole thing was like, can you use this with whatever you're using right now? And how much buy-in do you have to get? Because a lot of times people will hit, you know, they'll have this major project, they've built it with one thing, they want to try this new thing, but it's it's too much of a, a hassle. So if you were having like a project that already existed, could you maybe step through what the uh, the refactor process would look like to maybe even just attempt to add this for not the entire thing, but for maybe a small subsection, like what would the migration to this look like? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's definitely the interesting part of this is it all depends on how far into the bundler ecosystem you've built yourself. So the more you can consider some things that we do, like let's just call them they're like webpack things, like importing a CSS file. Right now, that's not really a defined thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Webpack, certainly they just, they describe, or really it's whatever plugin you're using just defines that behavior of what an importing a CSS file, um, importing JSON, importing things without a file extension. These are all sugar essentially on top of something more complex that Webpack lets you do. So depending on how many of those Webpack specific or bundler specific things you're doing, um, you do need to start to rethink of, okay, what do those look like in a actual browser native way, in a way that actually is defined in the spec and would run? CSS is a good example of that, or let's say you actually do lean heavily on importing CSS as if it were a JavaScript module. So you do that import keyword, and then the string is a local path to your CSS file. That's not importing JavaScript, that's importing CSS. That would never run in the browser. Webpack handles that for you using Mm -hmm. its magic bundling. Instead, you have to think about what that looks like either by using a specific library. So there's a few out there that exist. Um, CSZ is a really cool one Mm -hmm. where it lets you do something very similar where you can either import a CSS file. Essentially, it's the exact same workflow, but instead of using a ESM import that is a browser-specific thing, you use this library. You say CSZ, and then you put the string of the file you want to load. And then at runtime, it'll instead import that directly. Things like that are are the interesting thing to tackle here. It depends how far into Webpack you've gone. Interesting. CSZ is the Canadian Society for Zoologists. <laughs> that's yeah, not that's what, what I want. <laughs> they have an amazing open source program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so CSZ is a, a runtime for CSS modules with SAS like preprocessing. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it really is this kind of whole other world you step into. Um oh, I, I would see how say it works. Yeah, I would say the whole caveat to this stuff is don't 
take whatever you're using at your company that's working great and feel like you have to rewrite mm -hmm. it today or anything like that. Um, this really shines as a, if you're building a new app and you haven't gone far down a path that's harder to walk back, then this is a great way to start and you know get your feet wet. And then it just becomes, okay, how important is it? Maybe if you have a really painful dev process that is taking 10 seconds, you know, it really depends on what is your pain and then how hard is the solution based on what you've done. I'd say if you're, especially if you're looking to like maybe eject from Webpack um, or sorry, from Create React app or something similar where you've been using this fully featured environment, this uh, fully featured dev environment that they've set up for you. You go to eject and all of a sudden you're dumped with a four or 500 line Webpack config that you have no idea what it's doing, right? <laughs> yeah. Create React app is great because it, it- A total mystery. Exactly. It, it takes care of it all for you, but you know only to an extent, right? As soon as something breaks, you're stuck digging through that or as soon as you want to customize it, unless you want to use maybe a, an add-on tool. But anyway, that's a really good chance to take a look at this as well as, okay, if, if what I'm using isn't working for me anymore, if I'm feeling these pains of build time, wait time, how can I maybe take a look, another look at a different solution? Oh, that's really cool. I, I also think like this is just like awesome for beginners as well, because there's not a there's not a huge hurdle to getting something up and running or even just like for me, like I've got an hour or two to work on a little idea that I have. I don't necessarily want to spend that time fighting some sort of config and, and whatnot. I just want it to work and I just want it to, to, to work in the browser. And um, I think we're like, I, I kind of feel like with this kind of stuff and also other stuff in the industry, we're, we're getting more back to the olden days where like I would just it used to be already just download a jQuery plugin and drag and drop it. Um, and you just include it with a script tag. And obviously that's a little different now that we have NPM. It's much better. But um, I feel like it's do you feel like it's getting easier? And obviously these tools are, are making it easier. Yeah, there's definitely this like nostalgic feel to it um, where you still have all this same power that you have. You, know, you can use these NPM packages. Maybe you have to import CSS differently. And whether that's a better way or a worse way, I think is up, you know, to interpretation. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you open up all these really cool and very nostalgic feeling things like view source suddenly becomes the default again, right? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm deploying my whole site as I've written it, then every file is as written. And maybe that's enough for you. So you're getting the gzip compression and you're saying that's enough uh, minification for me. Or maybe you send, you know, another minification step. Maybe you add a bundler for production. Like, it starts with a much simpler default case for exactly yeah. that hello world, you know, simple example you're talking about. And then if you're Facebook or you're some big company where you can afford a, a production team, you know, a Webpack team, um, if you can afford to invest in that, then certainly you can get all the same benefits that exist today, but just with a much lower barrier to entry. Yeah, this we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more, I think, after we do an ad reader. So, but this uh, CDN thing is totally making me reminiscent of the times when you would like go to add jQuery or something and whoever would just be like, oh yeah, you just copy the script and place it at the top. And then next thing you know, you got, you know, 20 HTTP requests for different plugins or whatever, all hosted on <laughs> some mystery CDN that you've, you know, different CDNs and who knows where they are at. Uh, but I think what we want to do real quick here is uh, take a quick break and talk about one of our sponsors today, which is Sanity. Uh, and Sanity is located at sanity.io. Now, Sanity is the, the backend CMS to build structured content, and it is really exceedingly modern. And they are rapidly growing and adding new features. So Wes wants to talk about one new feature, which is previews. 
So Sanity just rolled out this like really cool thing where you can iframe in your content. Most likely that would be your website. And as you are typing in your editor, you can preview that as it will look on your actual website. So they built this amazing thing where you can just type and you can preview it. Um, and it looks like the code to hook it up is pretty simple because the way that you configure Sanity is not through like a, a GUI or something like that. The way that you configure it is by writing these config files that are written in JavaScript. Um, and you can just hook up a preview iframe um, and it's up and running. And then the video that they launched to show this preview is pretty neat because obviously you can preview a website, <laughs> um, but then they also show you can preview like social cards. So like as you are editing the metadata of a post or uh -huh. something or the title, you can like pipe that into like, what, what would it look like as show up as a Twitter card or a Facebook share? Very interesting. Or they also showed you could preview it as uh, colorblind users, or you could just like apply colorblind filters with, I'm assuming, CSS over top of it. So it'll show you what it looks like from a colorblind. Um, you can preview as printable PDFs. I don't know. It's just such a cool way to think about previews. I, I would assume most people would use it to preview what it looks like on their website, but um, they've sort of taken a step back and allowed you to control it a little bit more uh, however you want. So check it out, sanity.io forward slash syntax. And that's going to get you double what the free plan does. Thanks so much to Sanity for sponsoring. So if you head to pika.dev, uh, you'll see a search bar. And the very first link you'll see really is the registry tab. I'm really interested in what exactly the registry is and how it relates to everything we've talked about so far. Yeah, definitely. That would be our, our next kind of big bet. So we started with all this open source tooling, and now we're starting to experiment with some more CDN registry, kind of taking a look at the whole ecosystem itself. The registry is essentially looking at that problem from the other end of it. So we can keep using tooling to um, make development easier. But at the end of the day, what the tooling is trying to solve is this fact that most of NPM isn't written for the web. Um, it's written in CommonJS or maybe it's written for ESM, but it was built assuming a bundler would consume it. So it could still be doing these things that were never really tested or ever meant to run in the browser. Yeah, like like React is probably written with ESM, but then they bundle it and ship it as a common JS so that your webpack can then eat that and then turn it back into ESM yeah. to use it. And then eventually you bundle it again and it'll ship it back out to <laughs> yeah, yep. common JS yep. probably yep. to bundle it up. It's, it's turtles all the way down there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And a lot of web code is just built assuming that there would be a bundler because, again, that's that was the only way to use most anything on NPM. And by it was the deal that we made to have everyone join NPM was that the language that we would all use was this common language that had already been chosen, which was common JS, you know, never meant to run in the browser. Um, without tooling. So what the registry is, is it's a chance to start again and start building packages that run anywhere and that run in the web natively. I would say, you know, right off the bat, again, going back to how does this play with the current ecosystem? It is essentially a, you can think of it as like a garden within NPM. So mm -hmm. every package in our registry is published to NPM. So you're not, you're not having to leave that place where all your users are today. But what it is, is it's a way to build packages, um, where you can guarantee that every package in that registry, in that collection, is ESM, it is built for the web, it's tested on the web. And we're doing a lot of cool things in that space where we see a bit of a, a fracturing of what it means to do JavaScript. So 
before everything was Webpack or Node, right? Those are the two, let's say, um, you know, Parcel and maybe other things. But you were essentially as a package creator targeting those two things. Today, you have Dino, you have these other registries coming up, you have GitHub package registry on the scene, you have mm-hmm. NPM still, you have no DSM, you have no CommonJS. Um, as the world kind of fractures, uh, for whatever reason that is, you see that the burden is really being placed on package creators to create the perfect package that would somehow run in all these environments. Mm-hmm. But how many times do you get a GitHub issue that this doesn't work in my environment for these reasons? Now, you as a package manager, you're now having to troubleshoot some environment that you're probably not even used to using just because of different requirements, you have different build tools, different build processes, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly right. And and what that looks like is, okay, I need to go and research what that field of the package JSON might be doing for that bundler, but I can't have it affect the bundlers that are, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one really owns it. And so you just get everyone overwriting each other. And we saw that a lot with people trying to build universal packages where essentially everyone assumed that module was there. So module was this field within a package JSON that you could say, this is ESM. But Webpack would be like, oh, great. Um, you know, module code. I'll use that on Node. I'll use that in the browser. So all of a sudden, you had this—you had this world where you actually couldn't describe what you wanted to do in a way that every tool would really follow in the way you wanted. So uh, you ended up having a target that some bundlers meant for the browser to consume, some bundlers meant for Node to consume. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess, <laughs> to put it lightly. It's a bit of a mess. I think that is like the tagline for web development. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> certainly, certainly for Pika. For, certainly for, for this project. Does lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Pika is. The registry, it so like the is it its own registry? Does it sit on top of NPM? Is it both? I know that the idea is that nothing gets into the registry unless it's ESM, which is great. Mm-hmm. But like like where does it sit in relation to something like NPM? And where does it sit in relation to something like a unpackage? Yeah, we're we're still trying to figure that out. Um okay. right now it's basically in this closed beta. We have a few uh if you head over to our Patreon, you can sign up for that closed beta. So it's a pretty limited set of users right now as we try and figure this out. Um, okay. I'd say that today it is a little bit of everything. So it's imagine if your registry just was kind of by definition more like unpackage. It was a thing that you could hit in any environment. So the browser can hit our registry. And just like how unpackage works today, it basically loads that module. Um, you can technically do npm install and then put the URL of our of our registry. And it'll install the package. Um, Dino can import from our registry. So it's this almost just like amorphous kind of blob up in the cloud (laughs) where whatever environment you're in, you can hit it and it will get you the package you need. And that pulls from the same CDN logic that we built out originally for NPM, where if you're hitting it with a modern browser and you want to load it directly on your site, so basically have the user, instead of installing it as a developer and bundling it or anything like that, you can essentially send that import directly to our CDN, to our registry, to your user in your built production app. If you do that, then if they're on a modern browser, they'll get the latest ES 2019. If they're on a legacy browser, they'll get that ES 2017. So we do this really cool differential server by default, where every environment gets the perfect uh, JavaScript for them. That's really cool. I was thinking that. I was like, I was just like thinking like, man, it's so cool that just like regular JavaScript imports, no bundle or nothing, you can import from a URL, right? Like you can yeah. import React from the registry dot whatever and forward slash React. Um, but 
then that doesn't take care of like older browsers, right? But you're saying that it will detect the user agent and then serve up the the appropriate one. Yeah, that's exactly wow. right. Wow, that's neat. Mm, very neat. Yeah, and this this applies back to what we were talking about even earlier. But every browser except for really IE eleven and then UC browser in China supports this. There are obviously the 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 minor ones that don't, but those are really the only two major. Um, browsers that don't support this. So if you're building a website that isn't targeting, you know, enterprise IE 11, or maybe isn't targeting China today, um, that's mm-hmm. certainly a pretty good option um, for even for production. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that. Like you clearly have like taken a step back uh, at all of this and like thought like, huh, like there's probably something we could do here. Like I always appreciate people like that in the community because like, I'm just the kind of guy that I just I just use it because that's what we use and we keep going. (laughs) Right. And then there's there's like these visionaries that take a step back and say, like, this is weird that we do this. And it's only because of all of the steps that led up until today. That's why we do it that way. But like, what if we were to think about it in a different way? So this is very enlightening. Yeah, it's it's that uh, React gave that original presentation where they announced it, or maybe it was one of those announcements where at JS I was Conf, there. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were there. Okay, what what was the title of that? It was like rethinking best practices. I think that was no, that was um, Ben Allman, who was like the jQuery plugin cowboy. Um, yeah. he he's we were all sending snarky tweets at the release of React because <laughs> oh, yeah. we thought it was yeah. silly. Yeah, and he said yeah. he said. Uh, react rethinking best practices and he tweeted it out and they took that tweet and go we are rethinking best practices thank you (laughs) i remember sitting at my desk and one of my coworkers was like well they just just had this awesome talk on this thing called react i like looked over at his screen i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah this feels a lot like that where it's like why are you messing with this it's like no that's exactly the point is like if you never ask these questions we'll just keep doing you know the same thing forever but the world has changed and what is possible has changed. And at a certain point, you know, we got to explore that at the very least. So totally a big part of this has been saying, you know, this isn't forcing you. I'm not putting a stick in the ground that says, you know, you have to do it any one way. It's way more about just like these things are possible now. And if you want to, for the first time, you don't need to use a bundler. You don't need to do all this tooling. Um, So if you love Webpack, by all means, keep using it. If you want to try something simpler, then this is certainly an exciting time. Yeah, very cool. This seems like the kind of thing that I bet like a group of passionate people will start using it. And if it catches on, if it starts to make sense for them, they will not stop talking about it. It's like TypeScript right now, right? Like everybody will not stop talking about TypeScript. It's because it solves all of the problems that they've had with JavaScript up until now. And uh, I can certainly see this happening with something like this in the, I don't know, next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's that would be that would be great. That's certainly the goal. Um, yeah, there's web components. I know that community has has been interested in this. Um, in the registry specifically, I know Dino. They're still working on their npm compatibility story. So how do they get a set of packages that work on Node and in Dino? We need to do a show on Dino. So Dino is like Node.js, but run on TypeScript. It's written by Rye Ryan, the guy who made Node. He did this awesome talk a couple, like probably over a year ago. It was really good talk. Like everything Things I learned regretted. from, yeah, <laughs> yeah, from making Things you regretted Node. about Node. I've always pronounced yeah. this as Deno, and I'm really happy now that I've learned that it's Dino, and the logo makes so much more sense. Okay, I was about to say, oh no, now I'm worried. I've been mispronouncing no. it for the last. Year. I mean, <laughs> there's a dinosaur here. I mean, yeah. yeah, that makes way more sense. Maybe it's Dino. We don't know. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, duh, duh, no, duh, no. Don't know. Uh, don't know. Yeah. It's probably don't know. <laughs> oh, you're if there's right. anything we you're know right. from this podcast is that I'll <laughs> I'll say it wrong. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I had no idea that this Dino was gaining such steam. I'm just looking up on the the GitHub. I had heard about it for a while, but that's steaming. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Steaming. <laughs> Yeah, TypeScript. That's I mean, TypeScript is another one of those things where if you're a package creator, you're getting those issues with people saying, "Oh, please, you know, where are the TypeScript types?" And then as an author, it's like, "Okay, I don't use TypeScript. Yeah, do I care? I don't need this myself. Exactly. Yeah. That's a nice thing about. And I can talk a bit about the code editor, which is a bit of the other side of this registry where we handle that as well for you. So TypeScript types are generated and hooked up for you by default. Essentially, the registry is just a place to put your source code, and then yep. we will create the package for you almost as just a um, like not a side effect, but as a, just a effect of you doing development. Me? So wow. every time you push a change, it's, it gets a new release. So it's using that semantic versioning, uh, semantic release process. Yeah. It's really cool. It's essentially just like we have your source code so we can build these really high fidelity projects, connect all the um, entry points in a way that you can't really do today, where instead NPM has the tarball, right? It just has this kind of processed, Zip file is essentially what they get as a registry. Um, so what you can do at that level is is really really exciting. So let's uh, before we get into the editor, because I think this is a really interesting subject. I think we should probably uh, take a break to talk about one of our other sponsors, which is FreshBooks. Uh, after you've written your application with Pika, and it has just been so fast and easy that you uh, are bringing in the cash <laughs> left and right, you're going to want to head over to freshbooks.com and sign up because you're going to need to have a system to keep track of your books. Now, FreshBooks is one of the very first sponsors over here at Syntax, and uh, we really believe in making this kind of thing easier. If you've ever used I don't want to say like QuickBooks or any of these other book softwares, bookkeeping software, you'll know that it it couldn't be, it feels like it's going backwards in time. And FreshBooks feels like it's uh, going forwards in time or into the future because it really, it takes the modern approach to all of these things we know and love, puts it in the cloud, and it puts the features that you actually will use in front of you. Uh, my personal favorite feature is really Honestly, it's just how easy it is to get around and explore and navigate this thing. No more questioning and being confused about what the heck everything is and where to go. I always felt like I was messing up my books. So FreshBooks is definitely the cloud accounting software that you'll want to check out if you are needing to keep track of your books. What you're going to want to do is head on over to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax, put syntax in the how did you hear about us section and let them know that you heard about FreshBooks from syntax. You'll get a 30 day free trial. All right. So um, the editor, I, I think you just launched this, what, like a week or two ago as of as of recording. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, a few weeks ago, maybe now. If I put my email in this early access, can I get early access? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk later. <laughs> um, no, it's still closed to open open invite at this point. Um, we're hoping to get it publicly available by January. We have people using it, so you can hit our Patreon and get early access through that. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, which is essentially just a group of people beta testing and banging out the last few uh, issues and bugs before we go to public launch. And if you support ten dollars, uh, you get stickers. Is that? Uh, Whoa! Yeah. Sticker, yeah, yeah, stickers. Hey, 
I'm into that. So uh, that's yeah, part of that Patreon. Yeah, featuring the new snowpack sticker. Oh, limited edition or first edition, I guess. Uh, oh, oh, too bad I'm tethered to my computer. That's going to be grab my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> that would be worth millions. Get it, folks. <laughs> <You never know. laughs> that's cool. Um, so like, what is the what is the editor? Um, I'm just looking at it here. It looks like you write your code in this thing. Does it replace your Vim or VS Code? Something like that, or is that just for writing packages? Maybe explain that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's funny enough, which maybe I should have anticipated, but this is probably the most uh, controversial part of the project <laughs> where I was essentially, I was really worried that everyone would be like, oh no, a new registry. Oh, that's going to be terrible. That's like what a, a new terrible editor. idea. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, the registry is fine. What is this editor? <laughs> um, I'm not leaving VS Code. No way. It's yeah, um, so funny. So we'll see how far this gets us. Um, we might it, we might ship a like local development tool that can run somehow locally as you use your own native editor. But what this is is it's a way to build packages. So it's a code editor. You think of it as a code editor editor for packages. Um, instead of having to set up your project structure and your folder layouts and all that, everything is really conceptually about the package. So instead of having okay, well, what do I call my source directory? You just have source files. Where do I put my tests? How do I do them? You just have test files. The navigation is really about the package um, and the different things that would be a part of it. Oh, okay. It's powered by Monaco, which is the engine that VS Code uses. So it'll feel really familiar if you are using VS Code. It runs in the browser, so it runs all your tests in the browser. So again, going back to most people when they say a package is ready for the browser, really they're just testing it through some sort of node, bundler, hybrid. Very few packages actually have a browser testing setup. Yeah. We do all of this for you automatically in the editor itself. So you make a change, it runs in the editor. We have benchmarks that run. There's just all, I mean, I could go on for hours about the features, but. Yeah, the one thing that was really interesting to me is the preview changes live in app. And it just gives you a live URL that you can import from directly. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it really brings the editor and the registry together in a kind of, I don't know if anyone's done it this way, but essentially what, what you're describing is that in the editor, there's a little button to a live preview. So whatever package you're working on, you can get a live preview URL and you can replace your import in your app to this live preview package URL of the package as you're developing it. Oh. So instead of messing with, yeah. It, it would replace the need for like an NPM link, which is like a giant pain in the, the rear. Yeah, which never works the way I expected. Never. Um, yeah. I always just go into the node modules folder folder and hack it myself because <laughs> yep, like, I don't yep. feel like figuring out this link right now. <laughs> so this will yeah. give you like a URL that you could locally dev on. Yeah, so you can develop it in the editor and then in your application, just replace the import to that URL and then you get that. Uh, you see those changes instantly. So make the changes in the editor, refresh your app, and you should just pull in those new changes. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, it's a again. It's just like we're we're exploring what's possible now that that whole native import system works across URLs, across local projects. Yeah, it's an exciting idea. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've like not created a pull request for something because I didn't want to go through. I was like, oh man, I could fix this really quickly, and then I look into it, and there's like like a three thousand line contributing.md file and all these like. Yeah, you got to test it in your local environment somehow. And yeah, you got to all the tests. And I was like, ah, yeah, yep, yep. can't. Or I was like, I could just fix this and do a pull request. But then all the GitHub bots are going to get mad at me for not <laughs> doing everything. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be cool to see, like, even like how it works with 
like forking a package and then yeah so that's using that's the gift and the curse of this which is that we enforce that you're using this editor for any contribution to the package so yeah what you lose is that choice i mean that's you know that's we're, we're definitely not hiding away from that fact which is that you're using this editor for packages on our registry but what you gain is exactly what you described where you're guaranteed that every user is seeing the exact same editing experience they're getting the uh. exact same tools running per change they're getting formatting per change so there's no like linting errors that would ever sneak into a pull request. Very. Um, yeah, like that linting error back and forth is the worst dance, the worst part of open source where it's like, yeah. here's my contribution. Oh, great. Can you change this one thing? And it's like, uh, and then maybe that person never comes back. Huh. That's yeah. That I, at first I was like, I don't get why this is its own editor and not like a plugin. But I also never shy away from things that tell me how to do it. Like <laughs> I almost always prefer like it's like with Webpack, I'm like, don't give me this thing to work on. Like, don't give me homework. Just tell me how to do it and I'll I'll do it. Right. Just yeah. just force it on me, a set of configs and give me a little bit of customization. But um, and, and that's what this seems like to me, where you use this editor and it will work. To be totally fair, I've done a terrible. There's just so much to explain at this point that like, yeah, I need the time to uh, or I guess the project needs some time to bake a bit um, to talk about these, to post blog posts, to post documentation. So We'll see. I, I think I love this flow, um, but I understand that you know maybe some people just really love their local development experience, and and that's fine too. Yeah, cool. Um, so, a question I have is like, there's a lot of heat around npm right now, mm-hmm. just because like they're a private company that owns all of everything. the code, literally for absolutely yeah. everybody's application. Um, and like, obviously it ships, like it was started as this thing, but it was, it, it, it is a separate company and this, this company controls all of the code to all of your JavaScript applications. And I don't know, people have seemed to be getting a little bit sore from that right now. So like mm-hmm. what does also from like a security point of view too, right? You just have this random company, like, obviously I trust them, but there's still there, that kind of, huh? So like, what right, does that right, look right. like on, on your end? Is, is this an open source thing? Is this a, is this a company thing? Yeah, yeah, we, there's a few different things there. I'm trying to think of what would be the most. One thing that we're trying to straddle that line where a lot of the power that we see coming from this is that it is a, what's the right word? Not closed, but a kind of controlled environment where, again, we say that you use this editor and you get all these benefits. Um, it's connected to the registry, so you get all these benefits from that. Um, that is all by connecting the open source registry to our CDNs that we just by definition operate. Um, yeah. but at the same time, we're, we're not at all. That's not like really the project is all about exploring this ESM space and building that yeah. new ecosystem. So it's not really about like, and we control it. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah. so one thing that we've been playing around with, um, is that, you know, again, that idea that we published anywhere, Deno and a place for Deno and a place for GitHub, but also, um, Entropic is the new package manager. We're really excited to get this posted somewhere that that can read from. So that's the more distributed kind of open um, mm. package registry. Oh, I've never I heard have, of this. I have not heard of this either. And I- yeah, this is um, by, and I'm blanking on their names, but old people from NPM uh, split off to start working on this. It's essentially a decentralized NPM or federated maybe is the better word. But everyone hosts their own namespace and then you publish packages to there. Oh, very interesting. Maybe we should have them on here. Yeah, this gets this gets back to this, uh, like the fracturing, right? It's it's everyone's exploring these different parts of it now, and and managing that is going to be the the challenge, I think. I think you've just given us like three new show topics <laughs> that we need to cover. Right? <laughs> yeah, what else do you Dad, have? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, this is a very. <laughs> 
you said that you you like these innovative things, but really it's just like once you take a peek in this world, it's it's a rabbit hole to fall down. Wow. And there's just so much exciting stuff going on. Oh yeah, yeah. The I'd, I'd also say the registry itself right now is partially as an implementation detail, but partially just because it, it it's uh, trying to solve this problem. The registry is a Git repo on GitHub right now. So you can actually go to pika package slash registry, and essentially we mirror the registry itself into this Git repo. Um, oh. We'll see how long that scales for, but... <laughs> You'll get a phone call from GitHub at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long that scales for. But, you know, Git Homebrew, I believe, is still powered by GitHub. So if they can do that, we can, I'm sure, get pretty oh, far. Oh, is it really? I did not know that. Um, the formulas are, so I don't think the code is hosted in their registry. But. No, no, the, the formulas are. Very yeah. interesting. Interesting. Wow. So we're we we definitely don't want to be this closed environment, um, and we're trying not to be at every at every chance. Um, so anytime a decentralized solution comes up, we're you know we're full full on supporting that. Yeah, I I think it's a great time to sort of rethink all of this stuff because we are in the next couple of years, or maybe in the next year, Node will be moving over to imports, um, and as people do that, it's it's a good time to maybe rethink some of this tooling and see is there a better way we could be doing it and it's it's really neat to see people putting their time into it yeah nodes nodes yeah some support is going to be very interesting i mean i don't think they get enough credit for how gargantuan that challenge was which yes. is to essentially we just, move. yeah we just talked about that. okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they the plus one to whatever you guys talked about in that space <laughs> because it is so impressive that they found a way to do this at least to start the process um hopefully it goes well yeah that will be very interesting if, if you can run an import and by spec, you can import from URL. Node has never really done that before. Curious if that'll work, if that's something they're excited about. If you know, you, You'd start to get these same flows, these same import from URL interesting flows in Node for the first time. And it look, it, that's something that Deno Dino has as one of their features, right? Or you're importing yeah. from file. Are they from URLs? I guess they are from URLs, yeah. Yeah, I think that's they are very excited about that part of it. So I think that's very much the blessed uh, importing the dependencies always <laughs> from URL. Nice. It looks like they do plan on implementing importing from a URL because that is, that is spec, right? Like that's ESM yeah. says you should be able to import whatever from HTTPS dogs.com and... <laughs> Uh, as far as I know, Node is trying to one-to-one support ESM spec. Yeah, so that's going to be, I mean, that's, the, what does that do for, I know that NPM team or ex-contributors on the NPM team are working on something called Tink, which is a new um, version of Node that like basically you don't run NPM install. It just like installs as you run Node. Oh. I think Kat's working on that. Okay, another guest, another guest for you. Jeez. There you go. Wow. This is a whole world. What does a world of importing by URL mean for npm install? Right? right? Do you even need npm install anymore? Yeah, I've I've seen some people do this where like as you type things, it will just npm install in the background for you. Um, yeah. Some people have said that's a huge security issue because <laughs> someone could like <laughs> someone yeah. could jump on the the package of reac, and if you're like import star from reac, and then it quickly installs this malicious React package. Oh no! Oh my God! Yeah. yeah, any sort of typoed package. Yeah, so there's like a there's some weirdness around that, but I don't know. Maybe it can be solved. Yeah, React. Not to jump around, but I, you mentioned that earlier, where it's like one nice thing that we're trying to solve as well is the idea that 
the registry gets the source code, right? So instead of this idea of, oh no, the package has been hacked and no one noticed because the Git repo looked fine. So the developers had no idea, but the published tarball yeah. that was minified also just had this little base 64 encoded virus that just, you know, basically stole all your Bitcoin. Um, that's that's the world we're living in now. The nice thing about having the registry be the repo, um, which to their credit, GitHub is exploring with their package registry as well. What you get is essentially you lose that decoupling where things can sneak in in between the cracks. There's no way that in this world, a package that was distributed doesn't match the code that was worked on by the developers. Oh, uh, yeah. Man, wow. a lot of interesting problems. These are all above my pay grade problems. Very, very <laughs> yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time for sure. Wow. Cool. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to, to tell us about Pika or is that? No, this this has been a great overview. So thanks for letting me come on and, and just yeah spread the good word. Oh, no problem. Thank you for coming on. I, yeah, thank you. Benefit of having the podcast is if I have questions about something, just make it into a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. If you have a question, 10 other people are wondering it or 100, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So where can people go to get Pika to support you? Obviously, uh, things like that. You can just yeah. plug all those URLs. Pika.dev is the website, so learn more there. Pika Package on Twitter, so that's Pika PKG on Twitter. And um, on our website and on our Twitter, there's plenty of links to the Patreon if you want to get early access to all this, and plenty of links to explore. Oh, and Snowpack. Snowpack has its own name now, so I got I to gotta plug that separately. Oh, yeah. Snowpack. 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 That's so cool. Snowpack forms layers of snow that accumulated in geographic regions in high altitudes. Do you know who knew the that? climate includes cold weather. Do you know you who knew that? that? Of course. Dude, Colorado? Come on, man. <laughs> we talk about the snowpack all the time. How's the snowpack? Out? How's the snowpack out there? Really? Well, we talk about it on the mountains in the context of snowboarding. Yeah. Hey, you should have grabbed the uh, package there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It somehow is open. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So we do now we do things that are called sick picks where it's you just pick an item that is sick. So sometimes it's a piece of software. Sometimes it's an app. Sometimes it's a piece of hardware. I forgot to tell you ahead of time. So no sweat if you don't have anything. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of something. OK. Every single guest we've ever had includes the statement. I forgot to tell you ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> just to make me feel better. But it is a trap. It is. Yeah. <laughs> My sick pick for today is something that I mentioned in our gift guide. I've been spending some time with my Theragun, which is basically just this a percussive massage device that hits you really, really hard, uh, like really hard in one tiny little spot. Just just really cranks you. And uh, <laughs> I've been using this thing on my back because uh, my back, I've been having all sorts of muscular issues on my back. And it is the, the best thing in the entire world I just leave it on my back and it just it just cranks into it. And it's like getting a deep tissue massage for a device that you have in your house that you can use anytime you'd like. So far, I found the packaging, the uh, overall experience of this thing to be very nice, very well put together. It's very ergonomic where it's built in a way like one of the things I was worried about is like I have these spots on my back that the muscles are really just goofed up. So uh, will I be able to access all of those myself without having to have, you know, my wife come in and do it because, you know, that's just adds another layer to the whole process. Right. Uh, and the way this thing is designed, you can hit every single spot of your, your shoulders, your back, your neck, anything 
in there with this, just based on the, the way the handle's held. I absolutely love this thing and uh, it is serious business. It hits you hard uh, and I've been a big fan. Wow. Um, I'm going to sick pick uh, this app called MB, E-M-B-Y. And it's sort of a, um, like a Plex competitor, um, except the, the, I don't know, Plex is sort of going the way of like, um, I don't know, it's go, Plex is going a little corporate for me. And, and MB is, uh, it's a server that you run on your computer. I've got it up and running on my, uh, my NAS, my disk station who makes that Synology mm-hmm. and you can, it also has a recorder built in. So you can, you can hook it up to an HD home run, which allows you to get over the air. We get tons of over the air channels. Um, where I live, which is great because we get all the Buffalo ones because we're close to the border. So you get all the American channels. I, I watch Fox News every day. Oh, and I need that. And then um, and we get all the Canadian ones as well, which is cool. You, If you have like an IPTV subscription, you can pipe that in. There's this GitHub repo of IPTV channels as well. Um, and then it just gives you this interface where you can watch live TV. You can record it. Uh, you can record shows based on their name or when they play. Um, you can put all your video files in there and it will organize them by name and download all the art. It's, it's just really, really nice. And the, the, the really cool thing is that the interface for watching is built in HTML, CSS and JavaScript. And they have a Samsung app and um, an iPad app and they've got all these different apps. And as far as I can tell, it's the same code base running on all of these things. And it feels really good. So check it out at mb.media, E-M-B-Y. Never heard of this thing. Yeah, it's really cool. neat. I've, I tried it years ago, but now I, I like the Samsung app wasn't in Canada for some whatever reason. And so I so I just ditched it because I needed it on my TV. And they finally just said, here, just put it on a USB <laughs> stick and install it yourself. And it works great. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Um, Fred, do you have any sick picks? Yeah, I, I know, but I've been playing a game <laughs> called Idol Supermarket, and I don't even want to recommend it because it's just a total time sink. So nobody <laughs> play it. Don't download it. Don't I, even go look at it. Idol Supermarket? Yeah, this seems like something know. Scott I, would play. I already regret this. It oh, is such uh, a waste of time. Um, <laughs> but it's literally the only thing I've been playing lately. I see the word tycoon, and I, I like it. Yeah. Oh, it might have tycoon <laughs> in it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Scott loves these silly little games. He's going to, you just, Scott, just I'm killed so the rest of his day. I'm so sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's all good. I got kids. I got something. You got a, got a little baby. Got to do something while, you know, while mom's making dinner. Got to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't go actual grocery shopping. Just play a video game yeah. where you go grocery shopping. <laughs> Which I, I do hate. I do hate grocery shopping. Well, there you go. Uh, we you do the whole up. curbside delivery thing now. To save myself <laughs> from that pain and torture. All right. Next part is shameless plugs. Uh, would you like to shamelessly plug anything? I would say really like if this sounds exciting to anyone listening, just start like falling down the rabbit hole. There are people who are working on these packages and these projects that are purely, you know, no bundler. Um, Luke Wilson is a good name for someone who's just I think he built CSZ. Um, a ton of other people are exploring the space and it's really exciting. So not so much plugging Pika, although certainly check that out. And just, you know, there's a exciting times for uh, web development. Yeah, totally. Oh, while we're talking about this, there's an awesome, the podcast Tools Day I listened to, they had an episode on Toolist Tools Day, 
where you oh, just don't yeah. use tools and you use yeah. imports and all that stuff. And that was a good one. It's kind of like this podcast where like you talk about like this stuff is is progressing and you don't necessarily need all these bundlers just yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it definitely feels like the start of something. I'm sure in a few yeah. years this will like will be much more mainstream. So if this is exciting, check it out now. It's it's definitely possible and and all there for you to explore. Cool. I'm going to plug all of my courses, westboss.com forward slash courses. I just released a beginner JavaScript course that you should take because it's 2020 now and new, new year, new you. Yes, new year, new you. And also means you should pick up a level up tutorial subscription while you're at it and get access to each totally. course every single year or every single month. There's a new course on leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro sign up and get 25% off the year. All right. Thanks so much to Fred for coming on. Appreciate your time. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's great. Check it out, Pika, everybody. And we will catch you on the next podcast. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.